Good to see you again. So just a word about the immediate future, because people keep asking. The truth is that we've been having this unfolding thing that, you know, you say, well, we don't really understand what's going on. That's because I don't understand what's going on either. Um, so yeah, this will be the last time that I will preach here in uh, 21. And uh, the Lord knows what's beyond that. Gail and I uh, will be in, in town for most of the month. And then at the end of the month after the party and, and uh, very shortly after, we will load up our car, uh, move out of where we're living and, and go, to this, um, go to Mississippi. And we will be there for at least five months. Um, it's possible, we'll, we'll have some time with family. We'll figure out how to do that. And uh, because I've bought a car, I'm gonna have to come back and get that car. And it should have been a sports car, but it wasn't. <laughs> you know. <laughs> so anyway, I'm excited for us. I'm excited for you. I'm excited for your future. I've said it a bunch of times. Uh, you, have a, you, have, you have a pastor who is a pastor of God's calling. And I'm asking you to lean in and trust him just like I am. And uh, wow. For me, the last um, literally probably 12 months has been you know, like it has for everybody. But of all the hard things for the last year, the hardest has been retiring. And so when people say congratulations, I can receive it. But it's also, it's also like the last chomp of a dog always holding on and won't let go. <laughs> so that's what you're getting tonight, right? Um, so I don't want to, I don't want to, Misuse the time. Two prophetic words. Ryan, can I just read your words? Is that all right? I'd like to just read it, unless, unless you think it needs to be said. You wouldn't mind? Can you do it quick? Let me read it. This, this, let me just read it. Uh, Ryan sent me a word. We know media is flooded with one-track catered information that is either radically political or based in conspiracy. So at this point, if any part of our prophetic revelation is being affected by what we see in the media webs, our revelation has been manipulated by the very kingdom. True revelation is supposed to be overcoming. What do we do? Detox. That's the prophetic word. Lord, help us as prophetic people to detox our hearts, souls, and minds from overwhelming information. Make us trustworthy with words that come from your kingdom and no other. Uh, Ryan, when I got this word, I was heartened that I'm on the right track tonight because my intention is to be prophetic tonight and, and make you happy I'm leaving. <laughs> Uh, it is to our ever-loving uh, sorrow and regret that prophecy has become a marketable gift. Prophecy is not a source of income streams. It is a source of living streams of water from heaven. And then I got this from my, my uh, brother, Steve. And literally, he sends me a prophetic word every Saturday night, but it's never come before I preached. The Father is looking for those who will worship him. He's not looking for a product. He's looking for totally undivided hearts and minds that give, give it all to him. 
May you and your team see the fruits of your labors in this hour. May you see a people totally devoted to him become inhabited by his powerful presence. May you see lives transformed, souls saved, bodies healed, and people delivered from darkness. God is creating a hunger for him. May your church join him in that hunger. Keep preaching the truth. You're making a difference. Praying for you tonight, Steve. Hallelujah. And this is his text, because you'll be interested. You worship what you do not know. We know we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews, John chapter four. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for the father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. That is one of my texts tonight as you will see in the pre-prepared um, message. All right, guys, let's talk. Pastor Paul has given the mandate that we're gonna talk about coming to Jesus. So, you know, that's, do you know what it's like to give a, a pastor a topic? It's like asking a politician a direct question. <laughs> he can talk about anything he wants to. <laughs> but I'm gonna talk about coming to Jesus, the one who is the way and the truth and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus Christ came into the world to reveal the Father. And in so doing, he could only do it as one who is the truth about the Father. I'm gonna talk to you about the truth tonight. Way, truth, and life, but our focus is gonna be on the truth. When I came to Jesus, oh man. You know what it was? It was, it was incredible because coming to Jesus was like receiving an organizing principle for every thought, every action, every motivation, every understanding of the world. Coming to Jesus was the perfect file system to make this crazy world make sense. And it hadn't changed a bit. When I came to Jesus and started reading his word, man, I, it opened up worlds to me. It opened up, it opened up avenues of understanding. But I'm a human being, and I don't know, human beings are like ridiculously deceivable. <laughs> I was thinking about my time here with you and I can think of three momentous times in which I was horribly deceived. A leader, your leader, your pastor, horribly deceived. Why do you get deceived? Well, deception means you partner with a lie. Why do you partner with a lie? Because the lie promises you something that you need. And so no one is lied to until they agree to be lied to. Every deception, every lie, every twisted truth that ever comes to any of our lives comes because we needed it. It all starts in Genesis where, where we read about the original couple and there it is food being offered to them from a source, not from heaven, not from the Father, I should say. Eat this food, this forbidden food. It's good for food. It's beautiful to your eyes and it'll make you wise. Hallelujah. So let's go from there. Listen to your father who gave you life. Do not despise your mother, Proverbs chapter 23, when she is old. Hallelujah. This is your day, Gail. <laughs> I've been talking about being old this week. I've been talking about being old a lot, but I'm, I'm glad to be old. Buy truth and do not sell it. Truth is costly. Don't sell it. 
I got deceived because I sold myself cheap. Pain in this world make you sell it. Fear in your heart make you sell it. Anxiety in your bones will make you sell it. And sometimes it just looks so true. By wisdom, instruction, and understanding, the father of the righteous will greatly rejoice. He who fathers a wise son will be glad in him. Let your father and mother be glad. Let her who bore you rejoice. Core of this, buy the truth, sell it not. Truth comes at a cost. The lie is cheap, easy, and we want it. The lie is attractive. The lie is compelling. And this is why when you come to Jesus, he's so amazing because the one who gave it all. Man, Jesus, don't you know if you'd have just delayed a little while, you could have had a Twitter feed like no other. <laughs> Imagine the fame you could have had, Jesus. The income streams your sermons would have produced. Jesus, you would have been a national celebrity on TV. Jesus, Malcolm Muggeridge, yes, that prophet from England, that newspaper reporter who was a pagan when he exposed what Russia was doing in the Ukraine, that guy, he said, he wrote a book called Jesus in the Media and said, and said the fourth temptation of Christ would have been to appear on national TV. We can make a prophet out of you. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jared, I lied. I'm going to need that thing. I'm going to burn myself up tonight. He asked me if I needed a towel, and I said no. That's all right. Just come. I said in my alarm, all mankind are liars. Well, let's go back to John. We'll stay in John the rest of, we're gonna stay in John, except we're gonna take a couple of detours. We're gonna detour with Alexander Solzhenitsyn and Hans Christian Andersen. Can we do that? And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory as the only son of the father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, this was he of whom I said, he who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses and grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side, he has made him known. We, uh, we love to make little categories and tell things to stay in their box. Everybody who says, uh, you have God in a box, will then turn around and say, keep religion and, and, and politics separate. Oh, you mean God can't get in the box of politics? Oh, I've terrified my wife and you guys and everybody else. Hey man, this is my last sermon. <laughs> Jesus was killed because he was killed between politics and religion. He was killed because of the right-wing religious authorities and the left-wing politicians. They killed him, they conspired, they were for it. But Jesus came among, and John says, the word was made flesh and we beheld his glory. We said, man, there's never been grace and truth like this. Listen, truth is a person, not a proposition. Truth is a person. And the first step of deception is, is partnering with a proposition that doesn't measure up to the person. It's so easy for us to do. We do it so quickly. We do it because of pride, we do it because of fear, we do it because of all kinds of things. 
But when you come to Jesus, oh, you're going to find an organizing principle for your life that'll settle you and it'll cause you to be a rock. And listen, you might be like me deceived from time to time, but he'll bring you back to home base. It's called forgiveness. It's called restoration. It's called, it's called, hallelujah, it's called mercy. Boy, have we needed his mercy in the last 12 months, have we not? Boy, do we need his mercy. We need him so badly. John, we beheld his glory. I want you to, if you can keep yourself fixed on Jesus, you will manage to navigate the offenses that I'm promising to take you on. Our sister Colleen, this is her birthday. And she went whitewater rafting. But we're gonna navigate rougher waters than she is. Just cause I decided to. John chapter four, the hour's coming. And now it's here, there it is. That's the text you just saw. When worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit. Those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know that Messiah is coming who's called Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us everything. And Jesus said, I'm your huckleberry. <laughs> right here. And I love that story. I know you've looked at it a couple times, but I love that story most of all because everything about that woman that was shameful, got exposed. And, it, and it, was her, it was the glory of God in her life. Okay, so because listen, I want you to know when I came to Jesus, I was a wreck. My life was a mess. So was yours. Or if you were like Gail and you were, you've, been, you've been sailing close to him. Listen, when the real Jesus comes in and fills you with his Holy Spirit, he still unsettles the furniture. He moves things around and he changes the way you think and changes the way you operate. Every one of us, we're wanting his kingdom to come. You can't be people who want his kingdom to come and not get a little, a little messed up with politics. That's where we're going to end up tonight. Are you a king? Is that what I'm supposed to know about you? Are you a king, this Jesus? Hallelujah. Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, the ones who believed in him, say believed in him. If you abide in my words, you're truly my disciples. Because this is the deal. You can come to Jesus and then you know what you're going to find out? It's hard to abide in his words. And you'll know the truth and the truth will make you free. Hallelujah. Hans Christian Andersen wrote a story. Most people know something about that story, but most people have never read it. Your assignment tonight is to go home and read it so you can fill in the blanks. But let me tell you the story before we get going. The story is about partnering with lies. Everybody thinks the story is about the embarrassment of the king. No, the whole kingdom partnered with the lie. Many years ago, there was an emperor so exceeding fond of new clothes that he spent all his money on being well-dressed. He cared for nothing about reviewing his soldiers, going to the theater, going to ride in his carriage, except to show off his new clothes. He had a coat for every hour of the day. Instead of saying as one might about any other ruler, the king is in council, they always said, the emperor's in his dressing room. In the great city where he lived, life was always gay. Every day, many strangers came to town and among them, one day came two swindlers. They let it be known that they were weavers and that they could weave the most magnificent fabrics imaginable. Not only were their colors 
and patterns uncommonly fine, but clothes made of this cloth had a wonderful way of becoming invisible to anyone who was unfit for his office or who was unusually stupid. <laughs> Hallelujah. They set their trap. I'd like to know those weavers, how they're getting on with their cloth, the emperor thought, but he felt slightly uncomfortable when he remembered that those who were unfit for their position would not be able to see the fabric. So he sent his minister. <laughs> I'll send my honest old minister to the weavers. He'll be the best one to tell me how the material looks. He's a sensible man and no one does his duty better. So the honest old minister went to the room where the two swimmers were working away at their empty looms. Heaven help me, he thought as his eyes flew wide open. I can't see anything at all. But he did not say so. You know the story now. He partnered with the lie. The king, out of his lust for what? That which is beautiful for the eyes. That which is physically a comfort, clothes. And that which was make him wise, he'd be able to discern all of his true enemies. You know how it goes. Everybody partnered with the lie. It's not a funny story. It's a tragic story of how politics and religion work. It's a tragic story of how manipulations of large groups of people can happen. It's a funny story because it does tell of the folly of being human. It's a wonderful thing about being deceived. Enough time passes, you can laugh at yourself. However, when you get dressed in those new clothes, which were so light, they were like the web of a spider. You could hardly discern that you were wearing them. The king goes out in his nakedness. You know what happens, right? Everybody partners with the lie. Everybody tells him how amazing he is. Everybody's all invested. And finally, off went the emperor in procession under his splendid canopy. Everyone in the streets and the windows said, oh, how fine are the emperor's new clothes? Don't they fit him to perfection? Don't you see his long trim? Nobody would confess they couldn't see a thing. For well, that would prove them unfit as well as him. No costume the emperor had ever worn was such a success. But he hasn't got anything on, a little child said. <laughs> Fittingly, I did some research on that. There's an Hans Christian Andersen had sources for his stories and there's an earlier source for his story in which um, a black servant is the child. Fitting for us, for our time and our day. Fitting for us. Partnership with lies. We don't partner with lies, do we? We're not those guys. Christian history is littered with nations who've partnered with lies. Christian churches are littered with leaders who partnered with lies. I love the truth. I do love the truth. 
I do want the truth so badly. But I also love other things. And because I love other things, I get sometimes seduced by my own needs and desires. And and in the wake of those deceptions, lives are harmed, organizations are wrecked, stuff happens. In my case, like most of our cases, there's no malice in it. In other cases, sometimes we actually become the agent of the lie. We become the perpetuator of the lie. Why? Because there are things that are offered to us that we want more than the truth. Or there are things that we want at least as bad as we want the truth. And so we get enticed away. And so it is in charismatic circles, every time you look up, something else is being exposed where somebody somewhere told a lie for their own purposes. A false testimony, a false prophecy, a false healing. I wish these things wouldn't come to me, but they do. They do. And I've had my share of believing them, and you have too. I could could go through a list of them, a litany of them. They don't want to do that. I just want to sound the alarm. I just want to say, sometimes when something sounds too good to be true, it is. Just want to say, that if you filter a thing through the grace of Jesus, it's all right. I just want to say that asking for um, foundational evidence is okay. Thomas? The biblical standard for truth is two witnesses. And it's always good to have a witness who's not compromised. Witnesses get compromised. Hallelujah. Now that's just our little problem in our little corner of the world because I want you to know the real problems that we're dealing with in our culture and in our world are really big because we've seen nations get deceived. And when nations get deceived, awful things happen. I mean... I remember, it wasn't that long ago, it was just a couple of years ago, I, I commemorated that we had just passed 100 years since the Bolshevik Revolution. We had just passed 100 years, and I think back sometimes on the 20th century, it's a horrifying century. You think back on it, and you, and you, had, you had National Socialism in Germany, and you had the Communist Revolution, and you had the Maoist Revolution, and you had Pol Pot. You could go on down and down and down. But one thing that often gets overlooked is that National Socialism was born in a state that was a Christian nation. Germany had a national religion of Christianity. The Communist Revolution was born in a Christian nation. The Orthodox Church was the official religion of the, of the nation. Being a Christian nation seems to be no no insulation against deception. The debate about whether America is a Christian nation goes on while I just want to say, do you really want all the sins of Jesus, sins of the nation associated with Jesus? Is that what we want? That ain't what I want. He was nailed to the tree for those things. He he died for those things. He bled for those things. He redeemed us for those things. He's the truth that hedges us against those things. I know I'm disturbing you. Christianity is disturbing stuff. Following Jesus is disturbing stuff. Doing what Jesus did is disturbing stuff. 
Being obedient to him in the face of the onslaught of lies is difficult stuff. It's so hard. Oh my goodness. I'm looking forward to see, what will it be like when, uh, if I get deceived, I won't affect the whole church. I'm so happy. I'm just gonna, <laughs> do you understand? Hallelujah. Peter got deceived. Both before and after the cross. People get deceived. This is not about that. But this is about calling on people to have amazing courage. Let's not try to win debates. Let's just try to win the war. Let's win this war we're in. So Jesus said to the Jews that had believed him, if you abide in my words, you're my disciples. And you'll know the truth and the truth set you free. I want you to know they weren't happy to hear those words. Don't you know we're the children of Abraham? We've never been enslaved by anybody. But funniest thing that ever happened was to have them say that in a nation that had been occupied by five nations previously. We've never been anybody's slave. And he goes on in this discussion and he says, you're of your father, the devil. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning. That doesn't stand with the truth because there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his character for he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you don't believe me. Now, listen. I'm parsing some here because I believe in that, in that group were those who believed in him and then the larger group who were hostile about it. Which ones of you convict me of the sin? If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Whoever is of God, hears the words of God. The reason why you do not hear them is you're not of God. Now that's scary. Now Jesus was dealing with his revelation of himself to them. And they were rejecting that revelation, offended at that revelation. He was a problem to them. And he goes on and tells them, there's a liar. There's a father of lies. We meet the father of lies in the book of Genesis. We meet the father of lies. He goes from a serpent to a dragon in the book of Revelation. We meet the father of lies. He's powerful. And those lies come at us. And listen to me. Don't tell me that those, the father of lies didn't possess those nations that that have had those terrible genocides. Or this one that's had its own messes. Brings me to Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Y'all know who he is? Everybody says, of course, but my guess is not really. Solzhenitsyn, he was, he wrote, uh, he wrote a very, this is interesting because, you know, Russians, when they write something, you're going to be there a while, you know, but he wrote, um, he wrote a little treatise, just a small one, live not by lies. And right after he wrote it, he was exiled, kicked out of the country which was better than what he had been through before. Solzhenitsyn, he was dealing at the time with the communist regime. Before I read him to you, let me tell you about him. Might make some of you happier before this is over with. Uh, these are the words of Louis Marcos who wrote about Solzhenitsyn. Um, it was published 2 February 21. At its most extreme, progressivism can justify to itself any present day atrocity as long as it can claim to be helping usher in a future brave new world of absolute egalitarianism. In other words, the ends justify the means. 
All totalitarian regimes shed blood under the moniker of the end justifies the means. The genealogy of progressivism runs from Jean-Jacques Rousseau's naive belief in the noble savage to the bloody social engineering of the French Revolution to the deterministic deterministic dialectic materialism of Karl Marx, out of which arose the horrors inflicted on their own people by Lenin, Stalin, Mao Zedong, Pol Pot, Fidel Castro, Kim Jong-il. According to all these progressive leaders, history was moving unstoppably toward their workers' paradise, and anyone who sought to hinder its arrival by deed, word, or thought was a backward, unenlightened, was backward and unenlightened. And to use a cherished word of the Marxist elites, atavistic. You'll have to look that up. Since the true face of progressivism revealed itself in the French Revolution, a number of brave critics have risen among us to expose its destructive pretensions and its false view of man. A short list of these critics include Burke, Tocqueville, the Federalist Papers, Cardinal John Henry Newman, G.K. Chesterton, T.S. Eliot, George Orwell, C.S. Lewis, and Pope John Paul II. The critic, however, who saw and understood the dangers most clearly, partly because he suffered greatly at the hand of progressivism run amok, was Alexander Solzhenitsyn. There I'm talking to you about the the, the crimes of the, of the left. I've spoken to you about, about the problems of totalitarianism, both right and left, because both are very, very dangerous. In America, almost no one would allow themselves to be called a Nazi and accept the moniker. But progressivism is a heartily welcomed word. I think it means something. Solzhenitsyn wrote these words. In our timidity, let us make a choice whether to remain consciously the servant of falsehood or to shrug off the lies and become an honest worthy, uh, man worthy of respect from one's children and contemporaries. And from that day onward, he, and then he, listen to the things he says. He says, he, he said, what I want you to do is partner with the truth. Do not live by lies. Partner with the truth. He will not sign, write, or print in any way a single phrase in which his opinion distorts the truth. He will utter such a phrase neither in private conversation nor public neither of his own behalf nor at the prompting of somewhere else, neither in the role of the agitator, teacher, and educator, nor an actor. He will not depict, foster, or broadcast a single idea in which he can see a distortion of the truth, whether it be a painting, a sculpture, photography, or technical science or music. He will not cite out of context, either orally or in writing, a single quotation to please someone, to feather his own nest, to achieve success in his work if he does not completely share the idea which is quoted, or if it does not accurately reflect the, the matter of the issue. At the core of this is something every one of you are being faced with. Every one of you are in professional occupations where you're being forced to say words you don't believe. If it hasn't happened, it's coming. You're being forced in the name of political correctness, which has been given to us in the name of politeness, you're being forced to utter things you know to not be true. Sooner or later, people are going to have to say, I cannot do it. And that's what he's talking about. Because what happens to us is we partner in small ways. I would say further, it would be very good if, if Christian charismatics would stop believing everything they hear. He says on the way out the door. I found myself the purveyor of words that I came to discover were not by divine revelation, but by human research. If you've wondered if you've been the victim of such words, please speak to me in private because I'm done with it.
He will not allow himself to be compelled to attend demonstrations or meetings if they're contrary to his desire. He will immediately walk out of a meeting, session, lecture, performance, or film if he hears a speaker tell lies or purvey ideological nonsense or shameless propaganda. He will not subscribe to or buy a newspaper or a magazine in which information is distorted and primary facts are concealed. I have not enumerated, of course, all possible necessary ways of avoiding lies, but whoever begins to cleanse himself will easily apply the cleansing pattern to other cases. It will not be the same for everybody at first. Some will lose their jobs, but there are no loopholes for anybody um, who wants to be honest. On any given day, any one of us, even those securely working in technical science will be confronted with at least one of the above choices, either truth or falsehood, toward the spiritual independence or toward, um, or, or toward spiritual servitude. Now listen to what Solzhenitsyn says. And he who is not sufficiently courageous to defend his soul, don't let him be proud of his progressive views and don't let him boast that he is an academic mission or a people's artist or a distinguished figure or a general. Let him say to himself, I'm part of the herd and I'm a coward. It's all the same to me as long as I'm fed and kept warm. <laughs> I'm telling you, you know what I'm doing to you? I'm telling you, be troublemakers. That dude doesn't have any clothes on. It's funny. But this is the world we've come to live in. And it's a world that Jesus can get us through. And it's a world that we, uh, we, we literally are in. America has been such a wonderful nation and we've able to, we've able, we're able to be hidden so often from the, the most horrible things that happen in other places in the world. But those horrible things, frankly, have crept in here. And like the vine that's slowly choking the life out of the roadside trees. This is happening to us. But I'm talking to you bigger. I'm talking to you about not just being concerned about the left and not just being concerned about the right. I'm talking to you about the truth in the inward parts in our own movement. We're being compromised by the desire for a name or for fame or for pocket money. We become not preachers of the gospel, but hucksters of modern day indulgences. God have mercy on us because he did have mercy on us. And I will ask the father and he'll give you another helper to be with you forever. The spirit of truth, chapter 14. Chapter 15, I will send from you the spirit of truth. Chapter 16, and when the spirit of truth comes, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, the spirit of truth, Apparently, in Jesus' economy, the first sign of the Spirit is telling the truth, hearing the truth, receiving the truth, being of the truth, loving the truth, not caring when, understanding when you get deceived, it's time to get back up off the mat and say, I was deceived, God have mercy on me. I partnered with the lie. This is how we get our inner healing and it's time to say, this is how we're gonna get our outer healing but we'll come to Jesus. When you come to him, what will you find? <sighs> my little grandson wandered in my office for the first time this week. And what did he see? You should see the crucifix that's in my office. And a little, was he six? Seven-year-old boy. Who, who I might add is not the most abstract thinker I've ever met. Ooh, Bobby, what is this? Look up from my desk where I'm sorting my messes. That's Jesus. What's that red on him? It's his blood. Why is it there? Because he died. Died? And he wanted to know about death. I said, well, death is what happens to you when you get sick or get old, old like me. And he said, you're still here. 
<laughs> However, I must be near. We had a wonderful conversation about Jesus on the cross. When the spirit of truth comes, we run into Jesus. It's time that we learn that we're following the crucified Messiah. It's time that we learned that the one we're following is not the triumphalist who wins every battle, but the one who died on the cross, who laid himself down, the one who allowed himself to become of no reputation, the one who suffered and bled at the hands of wicked men, the one who said to his servants, we would do the same. We love to think, well, that was then, this is now. That's what I want to think. It's what I want to think. It's what I want to think. I was so taken when I came to this theme of coming to Jesus. And when I come to him, he is the truth. And I live in a world that's so filled with lies. I need him more now than I, listen, when I was saved, I just needed to know the truth about my sin and his salvation. But as I've walked with him, I've wanted to say, Jesus, is this true? Is this true? Is that true? Jesus, where are you? And he's so good. He's so good. But oh, we're living in a world of encroaching evil. And I'm telling you, he's sufficient for these things and so are you. He's going to get you home safe, dead or alive. But he's going to get you home. We follow him and we follow this business of Jesus. John 18, now he's been betrayed, been forsaken, turned over to Pilate. Are you the king of the Jews? Oh, wait a minute. Let's keep politics and religion separate, can we? You're not gonna get out of that discussion. Jesus answered, you say this of your own accord or did others say this about me? <laughs> oh man. Did you come up with that yourself? <laughs> Pilate answered, am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priest has delivered you over to me. What have you done? And Jesus answered, and don't you miss this because it's still true today. My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. How hard it is to come to grips with that in the midst of all the things we face in this world, that Jesus's remedy for the evil of the world is not taking up arms, but having arms and hands laid on us. I don't like that way. I don't want that way. I'm going to go to sleep in my bed as an old man, dreaming dreams. Not preaching on Saturday night. Then Pilate said to him, so you are a king. I mean, he did talk about a kingdom, didn't he? So you are a king. Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who's of the truth listens to my voice. Good news, church. That's good news. And then Pilate said to him, what is truth? Oh, man, if there's ever a time when I wanted an audio Bible, did he say that with a jeer? Because I think he did. Because the rest of his words are a sneer. I don't think he said it with a tear. I don't think he said it with earnest sincerity. Even though after his encounter with this truth, he will have a sleepless night. What is truth? 
Truth is a person, church. Truth is a person. I'm telling you this because we make him so hard to find when we partner with lies. And one of the surest ways to know that you're partnering with a lie is to think, am I partnering with the spirit of violence? Am I partnering with the spirit of deception? So the soldiers came and broke the legs of the first and the others who had been crucified with him. When they came to Jesus and saw that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear and at once there came out blood and water. Then John writes, he who saw it has borne witness his, witness, his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth that you also may believe. What an incredible thing to write at that moment. For these things took place that the scripture might be fulfilled. Not one of his bones will be broken. And again, another scripture says, they will look on him whom they have pierced. And so this is Jesus. I've been telling you a lot lately that I hear these stories about people committing apostasy. Every once in a while I get to talk to them, but mostly not. Mostly these are stories of others, but always I have the same question. Tell me about Jesus. Tell me about him. Because usually behind somebody's apostasy is the lie they partnered with, the word they believed, the disappointment they've borne, sometimes the deceivers they've talked to. And sometimes it's just the moral call of Jesus on our lives is something we don't want to fulfill. But when I say, are you saying you have renounced Jesus as the lie and as not true? Well, I don't know about you, but I've yet to have one tell me that. There's something about him. that We may be renouncing the family. But man, he's powerful. And he tethers us. And so... I've been licking my chops. No, I've been licking my wounds a lot lately. I've been grieving a lot. I've, I've had such a year of grief, I can't even describe it. Such a year of pain. If you're paying attention, you know the pain. You know the grief. The way we've been torn apart time and again. The way the enemy's lies come at us. And the way we partner with claims that we can't prove, but have just decided to believe. And I grieve and I grieve over things I hear inside the body of Christ and things I experience from us. And last of all, I grieve over sins I've committed against my Brethren, you bet I'm coming to Jesus. As I'm leaving you, I'm still coming to him. You bet I'm coming to Jesus. And I'm inviting you to come to Jesus. I'm inviting you to come to him with your fear and your tear. I'm inviting you to come to him. Let's stand together. Holy Spirit, Come and abide with us tonight.
Oh, how I would have loved to come to you with triumphal shouts, but how I have been compelled to come to you with a lament. And in the midst of it to tell you, I love you so much. And I believe in God's future for you and for us. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm not despairing. But boy, am I sounding the alarm. Hallelujah. Have you read the book of Revelation? I'm sounding the alarm. So, Father, I'm praying for your people. I'm praying for your church. Make us wise. I'm praying for us, Lord. Make us those people who are filled with love and compassion. And yes, it's time, Lord, we ask you to fill us with courage that we can follow Jesus even to the place of death. Lord, raise up a bride that's been washed in the blood of the Lamb and in the Word of God. You commissioned me to wash with water in the Word your people. It's just been my desire, Lord. Hallelujah. Wash us still, Lord. Now come, Holy Spirit. Come. us ears to hear give us hearts to discern give us minds that can comprehend keep us from the deceiver's call from the fowler's snare from the enemy's grip hallelujah Jesus said I'm going to give you the spirit of truth we're a charismatic church. We believe in the impartation of the spirit of truth. We lay hands on one another and we pray that we be filled again with Holy Spirit. You might want to come. Let's just pray to be filled with the spirit of truth. Literally, I'm going to ask for a baptism of truth tonight. I'm going to ask that, that God would give us the, the clearest discernment we've ever had in our lives. That we can understand the times and know what to do. You have the ability. There are those of you who are called here to be people who will be, who will be those who will give holy calls because you'll hear so pristinely, so clearly what God is saying that you'll be able to say it. We want to bless you for that. We want you to come. If that's on your heart, I want you to come. I do want you to come. And then you got to renounce all, you got to renounce all, um, the lament I'm giving you is not, is not to call you to fear. You're going to renounce fear. Sozanitsyn, he called them to courage, a courage that, that uh, got him exiled and had caused him to suffer great things before that. Hallelujah. Maybe it's time for the prophet to say, I see a whole new generation of Christian martyrs who won't compromise their faith, but who will lay down their lives. This is Jesus. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. I had to detox myself. <laughs> I started it a year ago. I had to stop listening to the sounds and I'm still having to do it. So I've fallen in love with track and field videos and atheist nonfiction and the word of God again. And I'm shutting out those voices that are noises and I'm going to do some more because the greatest days and the greatest things are still to come. Hallelujah. But you know what I'm done with? I'm done with seeking fame, fortune, position, or notoriety. 
Seekest thou great things? Seek them not. Seek Jesus. He is enough. He is enough. Now close your eyes and let the Holy Spirit come upon you. Let his love wash over you. And even as I preached, I pray, Lord, release the spirit of truth to breathe on us afresh. Let it just, let it come. Let it come. Let it come. I'm surrounded, Lord, by my friends. They are the friends of the bridegroom. As Paul said, I've betrothed you as a chaste virgin to Christ. And how I am constrained until Christ is formed in you. Now let the Holy Spirit impregnate you again with a zeal for truth. about spirit and truth. We heard about grace and truth. And Jesus is the truth. 